This week on the Montana Mint Sports Podcast, we talk about streaming options and how horrible it is when your team is playing out of conference. We look at some games from the past week. We go over our top five moments each from the Cats and Grizz's win from last week. We look forward to both of the teams' games ahead this week. Montana Parlay is here to give us some gambling advice. We look at the upcoming Big Sky slate of games, and then we have our watch party. Let's go! It is already week three of the 2019 season. What a weekend it was if you were a fan of the Cats or the Grizz. Some amazing night games, some great wins. But you know what? The only people who saw these wins were either at the stadium or paying 10 bucks to watch it. Yep, we're going to do it. We're going to get on our soapbox and we're going to bitch about streaming Big Sky games. It is, listen, we talk about it all the time. I know it seems like an unfixable problem, so we're not going to harp on it for too long. But let's give it a solid 90 seconds, Nate, of just what a bullshit system that we have set up for the Big Sky streaming options. 100% bullshit. So, as we know now, we got a little bit of education on Twitter of why we had to pay for the games this weekend, um, pay-per-view via the school's athletic sites. Uh, basically, Learfield Sports owns the rights to all non-conference games, and it's up to them how they're going to stream it, which means making us pay $10 to see it and making sure that literally nobody outside of out-of-state alumni are going to watch either of these games. It makes no sense. It's uh, every other week one when the Grizz were on against South Dakota on ESPN+. Plus, it was so easy. Money. It was, it was a delight. Awesome. Next week? Next week, the Cats are on ESPN+. And it's going to be so easy to watch the game. The Grizz will be on the Pac-12 network. You can stream it from the Pac-12's website. Now, the Pac-12 is obviously a little different story. They have a little more money than the Big Sky Conference. But these other, these other FCS and D2 conferences have been able to figure it out. The Big Sky Conference can't, and they need to ASAP. They need to, and I know that we have, uh, you know, we have those people out there that are Pluto apologists, or not even apologists, but supporters, which we like Pluto. Like, don't get us wrong, at least it's something where we can watch the conference games when we're not at the stadium, and something where we're not paying $10 pay-per-view. But even then, what game are you watching that had a fair use hard rock album over the the video? For the first, for the first, like, 10, 15 minutes I was watching the Portland State Simon Fraser game. Uh, I don't know if it was an audio problem or what, but there was no announcers. And so it was, it was, it was, uh, like a 10 second hard rock free, just going over and over again. Something like we would find free online to, to plug into this podcast. Yeah. The announcers came in the second half, but look, I mean, the whole point of the big sky conference being this big is that we're supposed to be bringing in these bigger markets. Like, Oh great. We have the Portland market. If this is what, how you're watching the game. No one's watching this. Nobody. And yeah, and that's exactly what we were talking about for, for games, especially like Montana, Montana state this week, the games that we played last week, I should say Montana state played a top 15 team, a game that would have been what a kicked off at what eight o'clock Eastern time. 
Yeah. Perfect Saturday night watching. If you're just sitting at home, you're flipping through your, you know, your ESPN Plus and you see that game. If you're an FCS fan, nobody was going to go pay $10 to watch that besides if you're a national writer or have some vested interest in this game. So Montana loses its national exposure. Nobody that votes on the East Coast, the coaches, the media are going to watch that game. They're going to watch the game cast and they're going to watch Twitter. They're not going to get a real reflection of your team. Donors, recruits, nobody is watching that game unless they're at the game or they graduated from Montana State. And the same with the Grizz. I mean, North Alabama is trying to – was it North Alabama? It was North Alabama, right? North Alabama. (laughs) North Alabama. You know, they're growing their program. It would be – you know, it just gets them excited for FCS, and they don't get to watch it either. They may have paid the $10. Who knows? But it just – it's unbelievable how much we lose – by having the worst streaming options of any of the major conferences in FCS. Yeah, and the one last point I'll make on this is, look, if you want to watch it live and you have to pay, you know, maybe there's some, uh, you know, costs associated with live streaming that I'm not aware of, but I was obviously paying attention to the Grizz game. Uh, I was actually listening to the Grizz game uh, on the radio, but... I'm not going to watch the cat game simultaneously. I went to watch it uh, on Sunday just to kind of prepare for the week. You still have to pay the $10 even after the game's already aired. Just throw it on YouTube. It's so, <laughs> it's so stupid. It says they cannot be making that much money on it. And it's if they so are, archaic. if they are, it's so short sighted like this, you know, what are they making on that? Would you guess? So 10 bucks a pop, are they making more than $5,000? on people streaming this. I, I think that would be I can't think they are. shockingly high, right? I agree. And, and so then there's like this value that's there, but a little harder to define of, like you're saying, getting these games in front of a national audience. There's way more actual value to do that, to get your team 100%. out there to expand. It, it's, it is just mind-blowing. And I'm not even done talking about it yet because I want to talk about SWX being the one that gets streamed in. When you do have to do it, I went, uh, it was the most annoying telecast I have ever seen. Uh, Chris Byers and his partner, who I just blanked on his last name, O'Callaghan or something like that. They seem unexcited about the game. They seem uninterested in the game. The first play, the the second play of the game for the Cats on offense, Byers is telling us that Casey Bauman is running 42 yards for a touchdown. That sounds like him. It sounds like him, and, and and like nobody knows what number Troy Anderson is, right? Like nobody really keys in on him. Nobody really watches Montana State games to watch Troy Anderson. It was obviously Troy Anderson outrunning the entire Southeast Missouri defense into the end zone, and it took him five seconds after Troy Anderson scored to figure out it was Troy Anderson. And it was like that the rest of the game too, just obvious plays where the receiver did not catch the ball, and they're saying, what a great catch. Can't believe he got that. And then be like, oh, wait, he didn't get it. Just – it was so obvious, and they seemed so disinterested. SWX's graphics are horrible. They had Isaiah Infonse with seven tackles for loss last year um, <laughs> on one of their impact player of the game stats. At least if you're going to pay $10 to stream this thing, give it to somebody professional. Give it to somebody who knows the Bobcats players. It was just yeah. all around a frustrating Awful. way to watch a game, especially how great the Cats played. It sucks that we have to start talking about it in just such a negative light on the streaming options. Well, but let's, let's have that be the end of it. Everyone knows this is this is bullshit. And, you know, people on Twitter that are trying to explain kind of how these contracts work, like, I don't care. Figure it out. This is a fixable problem. 
other conferences have figured it out. They probably have contractual obligations. You can buy yourselves out of those. And if there's someone that is uh, some entity that is so thrilled about pocketing whatever hundreds of dollars they're making on the streaming uh, uh, signups per day, you know, we, they can probably be bought off pretty, pretty cheap. So exactly. And don't let's move on. We don't care. Let's move we on. do it was not a care great, about the contracts. Great weekend overall for Big Sky Conference football. And so we move into one of the greatest endings in the Big Sky this week. Oh my week. goodness. UC Insane. Davis at San Diego. San Diego coming off what a 20, 30 point loss to Cal Poly. Yep. Not quite a power in the Big Sky Conference. So UC Davis goes down there. I pick Jake Mayermeyer for my quarterback in fantasy. Bad choice by me. Mm-hmm. UC Davis goes down, wins by three over non-scholarship Pioneer League. Or I think they're Pioneer League, right? Yes. Yep. San Diego. 38-35. But it was not the score. Well, I guess it has to do with the score. A very interesting way to lose for San Diego. Yeah. Well, you explain to people what happened. All right, I'm going to paint you a picture. UC Davis on defense, up three, two seconds left. San Diego runs a little, would you call it a halfback, like, out? Yeah. Either way, the running back goes out right, right on the goal line. Quarterback rolls right, hits him. The safety for UC Davis makes an unbelievable play. Comes up, spears him right as he's going over the goal line. The the San Diego kid tries to do this weird, like, picture someone hookshotting a football into the end zone. Yeah. It's drilled. The ball rolls out of the back of the end zone. Chaos ensues. UC Davis wants it to be a touchback. San Diego wants it to be a touchdown to win the game. There's only two seconds left on the clock. The referees look at it. Touchback. Kid fumbled the ball. At, literally, it had to be the one-inch line. Yeah. To lose the game for San Diego. UC Davis, the number, what, four team in the country, escapes yeah. San Diego. The Toreros who lost to Cal Poly by 30. They escaped San Diego with a three-point win. Yeah, look, it's, it is, it, I get it. It's a, you know, three-point win that it came down to the last play is something, but good teams figure out how to win. UC Davis did not have their best game, but they came away with the victory. It's a testament to uh, them as a team. And, you know, Luckily for Grizz fans, this is now the most exciting goal line stop in Big Sky Conference history. <laughs> well, so this is number in the last one. Two months. This is number one. But overall, it you know you see this was not a great look for them. But at the end of the day, it's still a win. It's an FCS win. Uh, it's on the road. It's a you know, hats off to them for having a you know scheduling a you know regular playoff team in their out of conference schedule uh, and coming away with with a win. Um, it was a it was a crazy way for the game to end, but um, I I don't think there's teams that jumped UC Davis in our power rankings, the Big Sky Podcast Network. Just a power rankings, plug for the power rankings, and and rightfully so. But to me, UC Davis didn't drop because of their performance. There's other teams that just had better weeks than they did. But I'm still super high on UC Davis, and I think that was my crazy, question. Are you, crazy you're still super high on them. Oh yeah, one game. I'm not. I'm not going to freak out about one game. They look good against Cal, so uh, you know. Let's see they uh, what they have going on for the the next couple weeks. I'm actually pulling up their schedule right and now. And while you're looking that up, we do look at if you look at our Montana or the Big Sky Podcast Network power rankings that are on Twitter. 
um, under our Big Sky Podcast Network handle at Big Sky Podcasts. Yeah. Pretty creative. Uh, if you look at our power rankings, yeah, the uh, Aggies were actually ranked number one in last week's power rankings, dropped to a tie for number three with the Bobcats. So they lost two places uh, because of that barely win against UC Davis. So the power ranking voters in the Big Sky Podcast Network, which is a range of fans, definitely did hold it against them that they won that way. Yeah, so UC Davis, next week they have another, they have a crummy opponent against Lehigh. They're a FCS team, but they're towards the bottom in terms of talent. Two weeks from now, week four, they're going on the road to North Dakota State. And that is going to be a statement game for them. I didn't even notice that. Against North Dakota State. Uh, you know, that is oh, where boy. they can really make their names. They go hey, at guess North what, Dakota. Though, before, you, before you move on from that game. Uh-huh. We can watch it. It's on ESPN Plus. Yeah, it makes it so easy. Hell yeah! And we will watch it. We will. We watch will it. watch that game. Um, and then they go. Then they play Montana um, in Week Five on my birthday, September twenty eighth. Happy birthday! Uh, thank you. Um, so we'll, you know, we're going to know pretty early on in the season. They have a tough schedule, uh, and I have faith in them. Um, so let's figure it out. I'm also watching the end of this New Orleans Monday night game. We are recording on Monday night this week due to some scheduling uh, issues. <laughs> New Orleans just hit a, a field goal to win it. That was a crazy ending. Anyways. Oh, good. Great. Yeah. That's uh, relatable to what we talk about on this podcast. Spoiler. Yeah. Spoiler if you're recording yeah. this. Um, all right. But yeah, I'm still high on UC Davis. Okay. So we go from UC Davis and then we talk about uh, Cal Poly. So common opponent in San Diego. Uh, one killed San Diego. One didn't quite kill him. But Cal Poly allowed Weber State to score 40 one points against them. Yes. And if you follow the Big Sky like we do, we're Big Sky experts, um, self-proclaimed. Mm-hmm. Weber State can't score. Cannot score. Last year they had trouble scoring. Their defense is another level. They scored zero points against San Diego State, you know, a, a middling FBS school that you should probably be able to put up some points on. Last year, again, they struggled to score here and there. And then Cal Poly lets them put 41 on them. So if you're keeping score at home, Cal Poly has now allowed over 75 points in their first two games. There's really not a question to go along with this, but do you think Cal Poly has the worst defense in the big sky? Or is it way I mean, too we, early to, to we got, It's probably too early to tell, and we have a couple Idaho schools to talk about, but they oh, definitely, do. they definitely, uh, last week, how Cal Poly looked against San Diego, we were discussing you know, were they frisky? Were they more than kind of a middle tier team? Uh, this pretty clearly shows that they are uh, not a top big sky team. Um, no, but it seems like their offense can put up points this year, though, a little bit. I mean, 24 against Weaver is no joke with that yeah. defense. So it's a really weird situation where they may be kind of like the Bobcats of the Dakota Prukop era where they could score, but they couldn't stop anybody. Well, let me ask you this. Cal Poly, so they're going on the road to Oregon State this weekend. Then they have a bye week. They're going to play Southern Utah. That should be a win right there. Then they're going to play the Bobcats. They have the Bobcats. At home against the Cats. Yes, at home against the Cats. It's a night game. Are you kind of worried about that? They're going to have basically two weeks to prepare for Montana Um, State. I do want to see, and we'll get to this game in a little bit, I do want to see Montana State on the road against an FCS school, which I, which we get this weekend with Western Illinois. 
that will tell me what I need to know about the Cats team playing away from a big environment like Gold Rush was, like Texas Tech was, and playing in one of these games where you're going to have, what, 5,000 people there maybe? Yeah, yeah. So I They're, think this week in Western Illinois is going to tell us a lot about the Cats road team. So I'm going to take a rain check or you know an IOU on my thoughts on Cal Poly because I want to see how this Cats squad responds to a lesser environment on the road against an FCS school. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Um, and then we did kind of mention this, but the Idaho schools. Whoa. So Woof. Woof. <laughs> things did not go as planned, uh, for either of the Idaho schools, both playing D2 opponents, both came away with victories, but the not scores, all victories are created equal. Not all victories are created equal. The scores in these games, uh, should have Vandal and Bengal fans a little concerned Idaho comes away with a 41-31 win over Central Washington. Now, if you were following that game, I didn't watch that game, but I was following it pretty close. Uh, they almost lost that thing. They were down at halftime. Oh, yeah. they were tied at halftime. I'm sorry, 17-17 at half. Yeah. The other game, Idaho State came away looking pretty good against Western Colorado, but by no means a blowout. 38-13 Western Colorado is a Thursday night game. But they were frisky. Yeah, but Idaho State final score, that's something you can at least walk away with your head held high. Like, all right, we won by 25 well, I don't points. know about head held high, but it looks better for when you and I are looking at it. Yeah, it's certainly on not. Monday. Yeah, but it's certainly not uh, that Idaho Central Washington game, which was which was pretty bad. Which is, So, I mean, we have a pretty good resume on Idaho right now, right? Like, they got blown out. Week one, 79 to seven. Yep. And then barely beat a, almost let a D2 school come into their house and win in week two. And then look at next week. Uh, what is it? I don't have their schedule. Idaho at Wyoming. <laughs> so we're going to be, we're going to be three weeks into the season and Idaho have played two FBS schools and a D2 school and they're going to Wyoming. Wyoming, who did Wyoming beat week one? They beat somebody that was pretty decent. Yeah. I can't remember who now at the top of my head, but Wyoming's not a bad team. Idaho's going to get shellacked again. Did they beat Tennessee? No, that was Georgia State. Oh, no, they beat uh, Missouri. They beat Mizzou. So Mizzou came up there, Wyoming beat them. So now Idaho goes and plays Wyoming. And then they get Eastern Washington after that. Yikes. Then they get Northern Colorado. So maybe, just maybe, on September 28th, they sniff a win. But then we have, but then this is the Idaho schools. Like this is just super annoying if you're a Big Sky fan trying to figure out these schools. Idaho State play got a bye in their first week, obviously. Yep, well rest served. Up, rest up. Then they played down to the D two school, got the win. Not a great win, but they got the win. This week they go to number eleven Utah. Yeah. So we're still going to so have stupid. no idea about Idaho State either. So both of these schools just don't want to play an FCS school as long as they can, apparently. And then Idaho State on September 21st goes to play Northern Iowa, who <laughs> so almost beat stupid. Iowa State, who absolutely shit can Southern Utah. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's so stupid. What are these, who's scheduling for these Idaho teams? Well, it's not, it's not Coach Fantasy. He made that very clear when we <laughs> talked to him that he was not in charge. But Idaho State, I do, I mean, if you were looking for something to be positive about, they did pick a quarterback, Matt Struck. He did put up a good line. 
you know, 22 of 41, 385 yards, four touchdowns. Yeah, that's the type of line you want to see against a crummy opponent. Right? So you're giving like a silver lining for Idaho State? I just think Idaho State did well, they're what they definitely better than do. Idaho. Yeah, they did what they needed to do. It, and is not, this is any of this coming from your absolute love for Rob Fennessy? I do love him. I, I do love him. Yeah, that's why I asked no, the question. Is it? No, is there a little definitely. bit that's coming from that? Yeah. If if they were coached by some, you know, some unknown unknown loser, I probably wouldn't be that high on him. But yeah, no, I get I that. Like, I like it. I liked. Uh, I'm looking at their dumb little mascot right now. It's so ferocious looking. Yeah. Like the actual not, logo or the actual ferocious. mascot? Uh, the logo. Yeah, I mean, so, I guess if you if a logo can be ferocious, I guess theirs is pretty cool. Yeah. Overall, though, it's uh, Idaho it should be humiliated. I like Idaho State's colors a lot more than Idaho's, too. Yeah. Like, the course. Vandals' colors are god-awful. Awful. Who, and I know we, we've, been, we've been just ragging on Idaho, and we have a... You know, we have Tubbs at the club who we who we partner with and And we love we, we love, we love them. and Brian, we love them, but God. Like yeah. I, it it sucks when you'd go to your Shields or your whatever store you go to, the bookstore, and you're just looking at all this like what is it, gold and black? I guess. I guess. Yeah. Gold and black. I feel like there's some browns in there. It's really it's, weird. Yeah. It doesn't look good on TV. No. They if you could find it on TV. Doesn't look good on TV. Uh, the product doesn't look good on TV. No, I mean, what do you? If your school colors suck, your football team sucks. Like, what is there? That's it. No, what is there? Should, I bet you we can convince Brian and Chris to convert to the Montana schools once, once their season is. Once it just goes fully in the tank in week four. Yeah. 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 I got dibs on Brian. He has some ties to Missoula. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll take Chris. Yeah, Chris. Chris. He's went like to the eternal optimist, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Chris thought they were going to be sniffing the playoffs. Yeah. This year. So, so, we love our anyways. Idaho guys, but God damn, that's some bad football over there in the Potato State. So bad. What is the What is the nickname of that state? Uh, the Gem State, I believe. Oh yeah, it is actually. Good call. Yeah, I All was right, well, a fourth grade geography B champion in Great Falls. Oh wow. That's something I didn't know about you. That's, that's yeah. really cool. So, no big deal. Thank I apologize you. if Potato State is offensive to anybody listening in Idaho. That's my. That's on me. Mm-hmm. It just, just kind of came out. <laughs> um, what, uh, right. what do we got next? So I was looking around Twitter on Saturday and saw that Eastern Washington approved a brand new – football stadium and athletic department center kind of thing. You know how all these teams are doing it now. They're trying to get the money public. It's a privately funded uh, $25 million to the major football, major football stadium renovation uh, desperately needed over there. The red turf is staying much of the chagrin of everybody, but Ewu fans. But how do you feel about this in the sense of, do you think it, when, when programs like this, who historically have been in second tier facilities for sure, in terms of seating, in terms of the facilities, when they go to upgrade like this, how do you see it as competition in the Big Sky? Are you happy for them? Uh, do you think that it makes anything harder to recruit, especially with the proximity of Missoula and uh, Cheney? Overall, I, I think it's a good thing for the league. I think the more competitive the conference is, the better it is. Um, in terms of you know program strength, it's – 
when it's just kind of Montana at the top, which it was for a long time, that there's not a lot of reason to improve. Over the past few years, we've seen, you know, the Cats investing in their program. Weavers put some money into their stadium. Um, you know, the more money, and we've expanded to these other schools that kind of look like risk. Uh, the more that other people are investing in their programs, it creates an arms race, which may not be good for the school's budget, but overall it's good for the program to be forced uh, into a forward-looking position. And I think that's just, yeah. I think the Grizz are forward-looking right now, so are the Cats. Um, and this this just kind of keeps the pressure up. And look, it's not like uh, playing in a shitty stadium in a red field in, you know, outside of Spokane. That hasn't deterred recruits from going to East True. Washington. Yeah. So we're still losing them anyways. and might as well yeah. have a nice visitor locker room. Yeah, for sure. And I, I'm, I'm with you on that since I love that the big sky's improving their facilities. You know, Weber State just uh, put out the drafts of their big new one. UC Davis, uh, you know, it took them one year to have success. And all of a sudden they're putting out this brand new practice facility yeah. and uh, stadium renovation. So I think it's awesome for the big sky conference when you can get these facilities to build out and make a name for themselves. It's also fun for the visiting fan. You know, if you want to go to a you know, a Davis game. The Cats play at Davis the week before Cat Grizz this year. Uh, I'm going to go to that game for sure. Their stadium wasn't bad, but when you can get a even, you know, a more big-time vibe at those games, it helps your team, especially Montana, Montana State, who play in front of big crowds at home. And it's just more fun as a fan as well, so I'm 100% for it. I hope they get it done. It's $25 million that they're trying to pi- privately fund, so they're taking donations now. It'll be, it'll be just good for the Big Sky, and I think that's, for the most part, what we want. Yeah. So good for them. Hats off to them. The plans look cool. Yeah, they do. Sure. They look, they're going to look good. It's not going to be that seating that, you know, Montana state has, or the Montana has obviously, but uh, it'll definitely uh, improve the stadium. I, I was trying to look for it. It's a capacity for 8,612. So when you put it in comparison to Montana, Montana state, it's really not that much in that sense, but it'll be an, yeah. a, you know, an intimate, uh, would you say an intimate venue? Is that what you say? Sure. Oh yeah. yeah. Very romantic with the red. Very. Field. If you can get 8,612 like actual enthusiastic and passionate fans in there, that's a pretty good turnout, you know, when it's not Montana or Montana State in my in my opinion. Of course. No, it's a, that's objectively true. Thank you. Okay, so that is uh we're going to get to our first segment which is everybody's uh no, nah, wouldn't say everybody's favorite. Everybody knows where what's coming up next, though, we'll say that. So we're yeah. going to do our first and 10. We're changing it up a little bit this time. So I got the uh, text from Bear Tycoon today. It says, when we do this, let's pick the top five moments from our respective games on Saturday. So obviously Bear Tycoon, the top five moments from the Grizzlies win over North Alabama, and then my top five moments from the Cats' unbelievably season-making win over Southeast Missouri State. So I'm going to let you go first. I'm gonna, you're going to start with number five and go down to your top one, right? Um. No, I'm starting with my Whoa. number one. Number what? one. Yeah. Well, I'm going to do the exact opposite. Okay. Really right. no, right. then I'll, I'll do. I'll do the. I'll do what you're doing. All right. okay. I'll start with my fifth one, uh, which was just every play because it was a night game and it looked super cool. So that's my favorite moment. My favorite play was every play under the lights. Yeah, that's true, and that was something we were going to talk about before you put it in your top five or your first <laughs> and ten. Was night games are the shit, and we need more of them. Both crowds were electric at Washington Grizzly and at Bobcat Stadium. That just both of those you wanted to be there so bad when we were stuck watching it on shitty streams, but you could still feel the energy. Not yeah. even a shitty stream could take down the energy from those two 
crowds at night. Absolutely. That's all what's day your, to drink. What's your number five? My number five, uh, you know, I have a, um, I'm a big time fan of Koi Steel out of Sheridan, Wyoming. Yep. I knew that. Yep. So first, so the uh, Southeast Missouri state goes three and out punt team. Koi Steel goes out there, blocks the punt. <laughs> so first touchdown of his career at Texas tech comes back home, blocks a punt. He's amazing. And he's actually on the depth chart. He is going to be starting a receiver this week with Willie Patterson out with a injury. So Coy Steele, the walk-on, getting the starting nod against Western Illinois. Can't wait to see him. That's great. Uh, my number four, we're going to go with uh, Marcus Knight in the third quarter. Had a 24-yard run for a touchdown. It was... Uh, it capped off what was just a great night for the Grizz running game. They, you know, you want your team to be able to win in multiple ways. Game one, Dalton Sneed was electric, dominated. Game two, he had a he had a very solid game, uh, no mistakes. But he did. The game was won by our our running game. They dominated on the ground. They had 234 yards to uh, northern North Alabama's 56 yards. And Marcus Knight's 24 yard touchdown. He had three touchdowns. On the ground that game, a few of the the first two were just little punch ins, and this just this twenty four yard run just uh, was the perfect just example of how dominant their running game was that game. And it was so is, fun to watch the girls win a, win a game on the ground. Is Adam Eastwood ever going to carry the ball again? I don't know. Marcus Knight playing like this, but why would you? We'll see. Yeah, go why with what you? works. Go with yeah, what exactly. works. And so, go with uh, what works, I'm sure, is going to be on one of yours because I have lots of thoughts on this. Go with what works. Yeah, well, you could go. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying there, but I'm going to – well, damn, you called me here because I'm uh, going with my number four was uh, – I don't know if you've heard of this guy, Troy Anderson. Oh, yeah. Go with what works, baby. Oh, my God. But it's not – it might not be the one you're thinking of right now because that one – it's way better than number four. So my number four was Troy Anderson's first sack on defense. Okay. Okay. So third and nine, ball at the Montana State 29. Southeast Missouri State driving in the first quarter. Getting a little nervous. Daniel Santa Catarina drops back and Troy Anderson. Great pronunciation. Thank you. Thank you. I had to say, I literally was looking at it and sounding out every syllable. And it's really not that hard when you take the time to do it. But if you get lazy, but Troy Anderson, just using that speed that we saw all last year on offense, literally just runs by the defensive end, drills Santa Catarina, loss of 10 yards, Fourth down and 19 for Montana State's 39. Then a delay of game penalty by Southeast Missouri. Backs him up to Montana State's 44. Just like that, Trey Anderson, not only had he done something on offense that we'll talk about a little bit later, he comes in, absolutely drills the quarterback. The DN didn't even see him and saves, basically takes some points off the board for Southeast Missouri State when they had the ball at the Montana State 29. Love it. Yep, he had a he had a great game from everything okay I was able game. to read but not, not see. Um, it, Number three on my list going down from five to one of the plays of the week is uh, Robbie Houck's interception in the end zone in the first quarter. And, you know, great defensive stand by the Grizz, but more than anything, it just uh, is a big shout out to the Grizz defense. Uh, so that was how in, that interception right there was one of three the Grizz had on the day. Christian Lopez, the quarterback for North Alabama, had two total interceptions last year. Now, that's with a, a kind of weak schedule, but it also included games against 
Big Sky Conference, Southern Utah, national champion, North Dakota State. Two interceptions on the year. He played every game against the Grizz. Three picks. Robbie Houck's interception in the end zone. That's my number three play of the game. Awesome. Yeah, that, was that the one where uh, one of the cornerbacks tipped it over to him? No, that was – I think he tipped it up later uh, on for another interception. In the end. Okay. I saw that highlight. That looked pretty cool. Reminded me of Richard yeah. Sherman's. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. All right. What's so your number I'm de- three? My number three – Comes with 138 left in the third quarter. Carl Tucker, the second four yard run to put the Bobcats up 38 to 10. Right then and there, I knew this game was over. I started tweeting about it. I had a couple more <laughs> celebratory beers between the third and fourth quarter. I was feeling no pain. 38 to 10 at home under the lights. I knew it was over. And then Southeast Missouri State scored like three minutes into the fourth quarter. I started really getting scared because I might have just jinxed it. Um, and then they recovered an onside kick, and then I was really scared. But in my heart, I knew that that touchdown by Carl Tucker was going to do it. It ended up doing it. It ended the game basically up 38-10. to 10. So Carl Tucker, the second's four-yard run, nothing sexy, nothing fancy, but it put the game away, and I loved it. Very exciting. It was exciting. Uh, my number two, super exciting, <laughs> if you're ready for it. I am. In, Let's do it. In the third quarter, so the Grizz at halftime down 17-16. I was pretty happy and there at that was, point. Most Grizz fans, I think, were starting to get some flashbacks to the Portland State game last year where you know, we were supposed to beat this team and things were not going as planned. It's a little too close for comfort. They go get a quick score um, to, to start up the half. And then, so they're up six points. Then Brandon Purdy comes out. 47-yard field goal, puts them up two scores. And you just knew from that point going forward, or at least I felt like I knew from that point going forward that the Grizz had the game under control. And look, when so they called So a 48-yard field goal is your number two play? 47-yard field goal for two reasons, Nate. One, <laughs> that's a super long field goal for FCS college. 47 yards, that's a long field goal. But number two... It just put the game at hand, and it started. It was the towards the beginning of what would be forty-five unanswered points yeah. by the Grizzlies in the second half. Yeah, maybe not the most exciting play, but in your heart, you knew that it was over. Oh, kind of yeah. like mine. We kind of had the same you know, thoughts about that. Okay. All right. What's your yeah. number two? What's so my number, number two, buddy. My number two with five thirty-six left in the third quarter. Logan Jones takes a quote-unquote pass from Travis Johnson fifty-five yards to the house. To put the cats up thirty-one to ten, it's not so much. Well, the fifty-five-yard run was obviously pretty cool, but the fact that it was basically like a kind of a fly sweep pitch to Logan Jones, so basically a handoff from Johnson, and they once you when you when you pass it forward like that, it's called a pass. Or when uh-huh. you you know what I mean. When you hand it off forward, it's a pass in the fly sweep world. Yeah. So Travis Johnson gets credited for a fifty-five-yard passing touchdown on basically a sweep, and so I thought that was pretty awesome. Although. You know, if I'm Coach Choate and I want to get Baum in some stats, just let him do that. Yeah. That Give him 55 yards. A, that would have been a confidence booster for sure. Yeah, but obviously, you know, you have Travis Johnson on the field because he's a threat to throw it. He's a threat to run it. So you do, you know, obviously put him on there and, and just have another weapon on the field that could run the ball, even catch the ball if, if Logan Jones ends up turning around and throwing it to him because he's a wide receiver too. But it was a really cool play, 55 yards. It was a pass, which makes it even funnier. But uh, that one was – you know, 
the third straight touchdown the Cats scored in the third quarter, and it was uh, pretty exciting at that point. All right, my number, my number one. Your number my one. Number this one. better be good. This is it. Third quarter of the game. Now keep in mind, listening to the game on the radio, and the, the announcers did a great job. The team did a great job covering the game. It was actually a lot of fun to listen to it instead of watch it. Um, but no play really jumped out of the speaker more than anything than when Jerry Louis McGee, our boy, the guy with all the lettuce, broke free on a punt return, a 74-yard touchdown return. Uh, he had almost broken a couple earlier in the game. He had returns for like 31 uh, and I think 30 yards going forward uh, in, in the first half. In the third quarter, 74 yards. No, nobody touched him on North Alabama. And listening to the call on the radio, you hear the crowd going wild. You hear the announcer yell out um, for the Coeur rocket, or Coeur comet, Jerry Louis McGee. And then you, it goes silent. The announcers go silent, and you can just hear the crowd chanting, Jerry, Jerry, over and over again. <laughs> it was, I've never had more FOMO than that than moment that. right there. I wanted to be yeah. in that stadium so bad. But it was so awesome, his interview after the game. Um, he's just such a great guy. He's a perfect senior. He's a perfect Grizz. I love JLM. Would you call him the perfect gentleman? Perfect gentleman. He he was. He he made my night. <laughs> That's awesome. Lovely night because of him. There is something about a punt return any time of day. And there's something about a punt return at night in front of 25,000 people. <laughs> With everybody <laughs> just chanting different. your name. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and having goodness. a name that's chantable like that. Yeah. Uh, that's was, pretty cool. So I see awesome. that. See, you made up for your number two being a 47-yard field goal with uh, that that punt return as your number one. So you made you made it right. That might be the play of the year. It might be the most exciting. Early. It, yeah. It would be hard to top that. Right off the top of my head, I can't think of it. I mean, that's a pretty, it was pretty cool. I saw the highlights and everything. He was yeah, – he was – jacked up when he crossed that goal line. Yeah. You yep. can just tell the the energy in that place just from the the replay. So that was a pretty cool one. So my number one, and it kind of set the tone for the game, was Montana State. Coy Steele blocks that punt. Play one, don't really even know, don't even care what happens. Play two, guess who it is? Troy Anderson in at quarterback. Second play of the game. 40, how long was that? I need to see this again. Sorry, 38 yards, touchdown, Trey Anderson. Southeast Missouri State had no idea what was going on. I don't think he got touched. You can, the, the video replays of it, watching it live, it was unbelievable. Troy scores, celebrates with his teammates. My favorite part about this, he starts going over to the Cats' sideline and he kind of does that Jordan shrug after Jordan hit those three-pointers. <laughs> and he's having like a career game. He looks at the sideline, does the Jordan shrug, and I was like, okay, there will never be a Bobcat like Troy Anderson. There may never be another athlete in FCS like Troy Anderson. It was unbelievable. It just set the tone. It was what you saw last year when he would just randomly break these runs, and you know you're keying in on him. He's playing quarterback. He comes in on the second play, and that might have been it. They made a thought, just like Chris Byers did, that it was it was Casey Bauman in there. Yeah. But it was so cool. He ran right into the uh, you know the big end zone. Uh, with the student section, it was just amazing. So Troy Anderson's 38-yard run to just kickstart the ass kicking the Cats gave the Red Hawks uh, makes my number one play. And sometimes it feels cheap to continually just pick Troy Anderson plays to talk about. 
and you know we talk about him every single podcast, but how can you not? Yeah, he's. Uh, it goes back to what I said earlier. We can get into this um, when we we recap the cats, but you got to go with what works. You yep. got to go with what wins the games, and it might be Troy Anderson for the Bobcats. And it's always going to be Troy Anderson for the Bobcats. So, yep, that was a fun way to do the first and ten. Uh, give a little bit of feedback. I just uh, get to relive some of those memories from this weekend, which turned out to be just a, two super fun games if you were fans of those teams. You had a little bit of intrigue. You know, we were tied at halftime. The Grizz were down one at halftime. And then both teams come out and just absolutely dominate their competition in the third quarter. Yeah. Pretty cool. So Pretty cool. We have talked quite a bit, you know, about our team's games last week. But uh, to recap the Grizz game, uh, you know, I don't know how much more there is to talk about that. They did what they were supposed to do in the second half. Uh, Northern Alabama came in as a as a team that's only been up from division two for two years. And like you said, Grizz fans had to be getting a little bit of nervous at halftime when they're only, or when they're down one score at home against these guys. But like you said, they also put it away in the second half and how big, how big of a momentum swing is that? And how, what does that propel the Grizz? I know that they go to Oregon. We'll talk about in a second, but just as an FCS win and being able to face that adversity and come out and, score 45 on answer. What does that do for their confidence when they get back into their FCS schedule? I mean, it means so much. The, the most recent game that, you know, I think is a comparison is when they took care of business against Northern Iowa last year. Um, but there was just something about the game, about the crowd, about it being at night. Um, and just like the absolute beatdown that they put on. They, and it was a team that they were favored by 30 points. And we thought line, that was crazy. They lined close at around 30 points. We thought it was crazy. And, I mean, that is a it's insanely a high line. Um, but to to cover and just to win big and to do it in, like, the second half, they just completely owned. And so if you look at the game as a whole, it's like, well, the first half, they let North Alabama stick around for a little bit. But good you know, good teams are deeper and faster. That's what happened here. They were deeper yeah. and faster than than North Alabama. They they took it to them in the second half. Um, and it, I think that what this does is for the next two weeks, this week and next week, Grizz fans are going to be so high on this team. They, we know we're going to get our our uh, our uh, ass handed to us in Oregon. That's why they're paying us a lot of money. That's fine. But I don't think it matters what happens in Oregon as long as we stay healthy. Yeah. It is all about this game. It'll bring us to the next week. Um, and, you know, hopefully we go into conference play 3-1. and 3-1, and one, yeah, which would be obviously the ultimate goal for both the Cats and the Grizz when you play four games, one of them against an FBS opponent. Going in 3-1 would be pretty great. And that brings us to their FBS opponent, Oregon, number... 15 in the country, FBS. Yeah. Needs no introduction. Everybody knows Oregon. Um, they have the coolest jerseys in the world. A pretty cool stadium with the turf that like alternates colors. They were like, kind of the first team to do that. Yeah. So you're not going to bring up the Sagarin ratings this week, but I sure am. Okay, let's hear it. So, the, so I, this is just a comparison. The Grizz moved up to 112 in the Sagarin rankings after their win against North Alabama. In those same rankings, Oregon is ranked number 14. Yeah. Texas Tech 
when the Cats, I don't know what they were when the Cats played them, but Texas Tech was 19, if you can believe that. Only four spots behind Texas, which actually surprised me quite a bit. So 14 and 19, it doesn't seem like there's much separation, I guess, in the Sagarin ratings, but I think we can all agree that Oregon is going to be a much tougher test than Texas Tech was for MSU. Well, I don't know if I'd agree with that. I mean, they are going to be, they are going to be a, a very tough. I mean, I don't know what the line is in this it's a night game. game. But it's a night game. Yeah. The Grizz are going to lose five fifty. It's going to be yeah. terrible. Like it's, but the goal is, look, Bobby Houck has played against these types of teams for a long time, um, and I think he knows how to handle kind of his team's workload. What you know, he knows how to prepare for. Uh, Division One games because he did it for years at UNLV. Um, I am all, all I hope is that our main guy, our line stay healthy, our quarterback stays healthy. Yeah, that's all you can hope for. Um, it was the same way for us in Texas Tech. You knew going in, you weren't going to win that game. At least the 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 nice part about this for Grizz fans is at least you've got to see the Grizz play against two FCS opponents, so you kind of know what you're dealing with in sense of your team. Cats had to open up with an FBS school which is a little more frustrating because you literally didn't know what this team was made of after that first game. Yeah. Out of much, you know, it's kind of a catch 22. Like you, you don't want to get three games into the year, see the potential that a team has and then have God forbid an injury happen. So it's kind of like a catch 22 where you don't want to start getting comfortable and then have to go play this game, your third game of the year. But it also is nice for a fan that you've got to see the Grizz play twice against FCS opponents and kind of know what you're dealing with. Yeah. No, it's a, uh, it, I, I, I'm looking forward to Monmouth. And you that can, is, yeah, exactly. And you can watch this game this weekend on the Pac-12 network. So, yeah, that's all we want, or on the yep. Pac-12's website for free. Yeah, it's for free, free ninety nine, no paywalls there. All right. So, while we're talking about the Grizz, you got the chance to sit down with Bobby Hawk, head coach of the Grizzlies, at the media days in Spokane. Had a good interview with him. So yeah, we great interview. Are, Let's yeah. kick into that. But uh, he, we were interviewing him in this like giant room. Um, and so there's a lot of chatter in the background. We apologize for the background noise. Um, but overall, Bobby, how coach Houck is a, is a notoriously tough interviewer, but we got some, we got some good answers out of him. So we hope you enjoy the interview. All right. We're going to send it over to bear tycoon interviewing head coach of the Montana Grizzlies, Bobby Houck at media days in Spokane, right before the start of the season. We're joined by Coach Bobby Houck, the winningest coach in Grizz football history. Coach, I want to start off with your non-conference schedule. It's pretty tough this year. Road games at South Dakota and Oregon, home games against North Alabama and Monmouth, two FCS schools that can't be overlooked. Where do the Grizz need to be after these four opening games? It's really hard to project. You don't know how the season's going to play out. You don't know how your your team's going to evolve. But, you know, we have a we have a. a Great demanding schedule this year, which I'm sure you're going to get to here in a sec. Uh, you know, we just need to go play well and develop our team. And for us, it's really about the conference games. I mean, certainly every time we take the field, we're trying to win. But uh, we need to be coming out of the non-conference schedule. We need to be ready for the Big Sky Conference games. Great, uh, Coach. You famously keep players on the hot seat. Every job's open every day. You've been coaching a long time. Have you noticed a change in how players today react to kind of this tough-nosed uh, mindset compared to when you started coaching? Well, they, they all want to compete. 
and uh, we're recruiting guys of that mindset. Now it's a little different when when you get airdropped in and they have to adjust uh, to a different system in a different way. But our, our guys have been great. Uh, the one thing I do think is different in this day and age is we see a higher percentage of guys are less ready to approach their life that way uh, coming in the door. But they, they adapt, they come to it, and I think they're better for it going out the door. Guys, the Big Sky Conference this year, in terms of uh, conference yardage, the average team lost 36% of their rushing and receiving yards going into the year. The Grizz have the lowest total. You only lost about 19% of offensive production. What do you expect out of this offense the second year uh, back in back in Missoula? Well, you know, I, our sports information department tells me we had the youngest team in the history of Grizzly football, 126 years last year. So we do have a lot of guys back. You know, that doesn't, that doesn't change the approach. It just means we're probably a little ahead of where we were a year ago. But everything, everything starts up front. We need to play well up front. We, we make improvement on the offensive and defensive lines. We'll be productive on both sides of the ball. I had a chance to sit down with Coach Choate earlier today, uh, and I asked him these same questions, so I'm interested to get your thoughts on this. You're obviously going after a lot of the same guys in-state recruiting for Montana, going head-to-head against Montana State. What's your approach going in to talk to a player when you know that Coach Choate and his team have just been there selling the Bobcats? Well, we don't pay that much attention to anybody else. We focus on us, and uh, we have a great place. We have a, we have a great uh, highest-ranked university in the state. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great academic uh, place. We have a great football program. We have one of the great game days in all of college football. And, you know, in my opinion, the greatest college town in America. So we focus on us. Uh, uh, this question was submitted by one of our fans. We've asked of all the coaches today. If you had to compare the Grizzlies to a current NFL team, kind of with the mindset that NDSU is the New England Patriots, where would you put the Grizz? I don't know. That's a pretty obscure question. I don't, really, I don't watch much NFL. I mean, I, I check the Eagles scores because my brother's coaching there. But uh, uh, I don't know. Probably the Dallas Cowboys because they're used to winning championships and they'll get back <laughs> to it pretty soon. It's a great answer. Uh, and then last question I have for you, Coach. Where do you see the Grizz program five years from now? <laughs> hope I'm alive five years from now, first <laughs> of all. But uh, I don't know. I, I hope we've got a few championships under our belt. You know, we, don't, we don't have a uh, uh, championship to our name since 2009, and we need to get back to doing that. So hopefully we've got some championship banners hanging. Well, Coach Bobby Haug, thank you so much for taking the time, and good luck this season. All right. Thanks, Joe Grizz. So we thank Coach Bobby Hauk of the Montana Grizzlies for sitting down with Bear Tycoon, taking the time to do an interview with a little lesser-known squad in the Montana Mint, but nonetheless, one that's on the rise. So we always appreciate the time our coaches gave us. Uh, you heard from uh, Coach Jeff Choate after our, in our first podcast, so now we got the chance to get Bobby Hauk's interview in there, so we always appreciate those coaches taking the time for us. So. Speaking of Jeff Cho, well, biggest on. win of his one, oh. one quick reaction oh. to the to the Hauk interview. Uh, okay. when I asked him what NFL team, past or present, would you compare the Grizz to, it stumped him. 
he didn't you can hear him kind of hemming and hawing on the answer uh but when he arrived at the dallas cowboys he had a, a very pleased look on his face and that to me it was so you're comparing him to the dallas cowboys the dallas cowboys and he said i mean listen to the interview he said team that's used to some championships but haven't been there for a while and need to get some more okay. championships going forward but it's the perfect comparison yeah I could see that actually. That's a pretty good comparison. Jeff Choate said the '85 Bears, which, if I were a Bobcat fan, I'd run right through a brick wall. I'd be so excited about that. <laughs> those are good questions. I like those questions. So, again, speaking of Jeff Choate, his signature win besides the three Cat Grizz wins he has in the last three years, the win over Southeast Missouri State. So, Southeast Missouri State came in um, with a, the the poll that we use the most is the stats poll. They came in as the number twelve team. The Cavs were the number thirteen team. It was the game of the week in the FCS. All eyes, if they could have watched it, but they couldn't because it was streaming on the Bobcats website, was on this game. Montana State came out thoroughly, dominated them in the second half, coming away with the victory. We've already talked about our favorite moments and everything like that, but I have to talk about. We have to talk about how big of a win that was for the Bobcats program as a whole and Jeff Choate's tenure as a whole. Sure. So this was the first win that the, the Montana state has had over a top, I think it was a 15 team since 2010. Wow. That's crazy. Crazy. So the cats were, you know, in the past with Ash and everything, the cats were winning games against teams. They were supposed to be beating and they could never knock off the teams that were ranked, the teams that they needed to get their season going. So this was just an amazing win. I'm on cloud nine right now as a cats fan. Yeah. And it's, it is not, this isn't, this isn't that you squeaked by a good team. You guys won. Finally, you guys won big. Uh, a lot of things were going right for the Bobcats. Um, and I don't, you know, we talked about this in the last segment. Troy Anderson was a very big part of it. And while you have every right to be excited about the game, are you at all concerned by the the play of Casey Ballman? No, hundred and thirty six yards. Is it's that- a very dynamic and exciting and unpredictable offense that the Bobcats are running. I don't think when they named Casey Ballman the starter, they were looking and told to sat him down and said, "We need you to get us three hundred and three tugs a game." I think they said, "You need to go out there." You need to at least give us some kind of downfield threat, some kind of arm, so that when you're in there, they have to respect that we can pass the ball. But I don't think it was ever in their plans that Bauman was going to be the guy that was going to lead the Bobcats to the playoffs. I think they had, obviously, Troy in mind. That's the most obvious thing you could say. But Travis Johnson taking snaps. Ifonse being one of the top rushers in the Big Sky Conference. This was not a decision to put Casey Bauman in there to be the next Carson Wentz or to be the, I don't know, the next Jake Mayermeyer, the next Case Cookus. This was putting him in there to at least give us a downfield threat so that we could let all of our other weapons get their yards. Okay. So not... In my opinion. But the Cats would be in a much better spot if Casey Ballman was was a better passer. We'll see. Like, I mean, it's it, we it, haven't it, needed it yet. You haven't needed them yet, but, you know, I think Western L- your next two games, let's see where he's at because. Yeah. They, he needs to do something and it's, yeah. It, it could, it's just, I'm not saying it's a problem now, just raising a little warning flag of 
let's keep an eye on it. That just like, this could, so become, just like when, could become a liability. So it's just like you're, you're kind of you're talking me down a little bit, just like I talked you down from that Grizz South Dakota win. So I get that. And I respect that. Well, this is not, I did it to you. You were trying to diminish the quality of the win. That's not what I'm doing. I was. The Cats. Oh, no, I know you. The, you can't. The Cats beat a really good team, but they did it on the back of their linebacker offensive production. And I think we could classify him as athlete. Yeah, but he's a starting linebacker. <laughs> and to me, for the Cats to take the next step, you can't. You cannot rely on Troy Anderson as heavy as they did in this game. It worked. Yeah, and this I, game. I did get a. It worked this game, um, and it might be good enough to uh, you know get a winning record. It might be good enough to sneak you in the playoffs, uh, but I don't think it's good enough to kind of take the next level that you have your expectations on them taking. See, I think this type of game, where you had Troy, you had Travis Johnson, you had Afonso, and you had Bauman getting his hundred yards. That team is not going to be sneaking into the playoffs. I don't think this is a sneaky playoff team. I think this is one that's going to be on everybody's radar. They're a top 10 team in the stats right now, so they moved up to number 10. We failed to mention that the Grizz did move up to number 20, so uh, that was pretty cool. But the Cats moved up to number 10 in the stats FCS poll. This is not a team that's got a chance to make the playoffs. I mean, this is a playoff team that if they don't make it, it's going to be a massive disappointment. I think they can get there with the offense that they showed. It's going to be so hard to game plan for them going forward. So I don't see it as being like a massive problem. And I don't know. I, I, we got the question posed to us on our Slack feed is, would you trade these wins for now over Casey Bauman's, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Development. And I'm selfish and I have no, I, I need instant gratification. So yes, I would trade these wins. That win we had last Saturday over Bauman's development as our QB1. I don't know if that's good. I don't know if that's short-sighted, which obviously it is, but I will take those wins that we had. That was my favorite non-Cat Grizz win I've had in years. Yeah. Years. No, and I, I guess it – look, I I do think that you have to do whatever it takes to win, and Troy Anderson is what it takes for the Bobcats to win. Um, but I, I don't know. I think that – Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah, he. Your your linebacker is playing quarterback. Like I, it's not lost on me that it's an interesting way to run your offense, and it's a. He's a. In, it, when you have one guy that you're hanging your whole season's hopes on, it's a little nerve wracking. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah, but but great win, great win, Nate. Great win, not and you. thank you. Hey, thanks. It was fun. It was really fun. And this week, the catch roll to Western Illinois, not as stiff of a test on paper as Southeast Missouri State was, but it's a road game coming off a high. It's going to be really interesting to see how they handle this game. Western Illinois in Macomb, Illinois. That's correct. Yeah, Macomb, Illinois, out of the Missouri Valley Conference, the other power conference in the FCS, home to North Dakota State, South Dakota State, Northern Iowa. You know the drill. Western Illinois is not good. They're 198 in the newest Sagarin ratings which puts them last in the Missouri Valley Conference. But this game, and Choate said it during his press conference today, this is going to be the defining game for this team if they can come off this high that they just had on Gold Rush at home at night and be able to go to Western Illinois and play in front of 3,000 fans and come back with a win. Well, I mean, Western Illinois just lost to North Alabama two weeks ago. Um, 
And so the Bobcats should beat these guys. They should. Should yeah, they definitely should dominate these guys. So I don't know. I'm not. You're not worried I, if you're a Cats fan. No, I look if they're they're a playoff team. This you win this game, and for sure. Yeah, I think last year the Grizz were two and zero going on the road to Western Illinois, and were winning most of the game, or at least felt like they were in control for most of the game, and ended up losing yeah. it. Fumbled away the game twice, I think, in the fourth quarter. It was it was really ugly. Um, Montana State, Funny part about Montana Western State yeah. has higher expectations today than the Grizz did last year. You should be a better team. You should go into the road yes. and take care of business. I should. I, yes. Yeah, I'm comfortable. This is a lock for sure. That's Two weeks in a row, week, huh? lock. <laughs> so. Western. Then this was the funny part about this game uh, was Western. It was a home and home, obviously, with Western Illinois. They played in Bozeman last year before they played the Grizz on the um, back at their place. But this was like kind of that game last year where we thought Western Illinois might be a good team, and that the Bobcats just kind of got their at the time signature win for Jeff Choate. You know, coming off of you know that was his first winning season last year. Ended up Western Illinois turned out to be the shits after that Grizz win. They didn't do anything the rest of the year, so. You see them on your schedule and you start thinking, like, it was a pretty close game with the Cats last year. They obviously beat the Grizz. You get a little worried, but then you check them out. They're not the same team they were even at this point last year when they had some expectations. Like I said, it's just sometimes you get scared about coming off those highs. I, I mean, I was a student in Montana State when we went down and beat Colorado and then came home and lost to Chadron State. Yeah. And then I think we lost to another team the next week. It was, the, it was just such a letdown game. But, I mean, this is obviously not like that team. That was that was shit. Thirteen years ago, but looking forward to this game. I'm you know just another FCS game on the road to see how these cats can perform on the road. Our own Montana Parlay will actually be at this game, so we we can't wait to hear from him as well. And we'll get to him in a second. But I'm already excited. It's Monday. I'm already excited for Saturday. It's on ESPN Plus. Thank God. Yep, we will be watching for the Missouri Valley Conference and this little competition we have with them. This challenge. Because every time a Big Sky team plays them, we get to watch it on ESPN Plus. Yeah. So thank we'll you. We'll be watching. So thank you, Missouri Valley Conference. Thanks, ESPN. Thanks, ESPN. So speaking of, I think that's everything on the, the Cats and Grizz. Yeah, I we've think talked we, We've done a good 50 minutes on our two teams. It's been fun. But we're going to shoot it over to Montana Parlay. He's coming off a pretty rough weekend, but don't lose faith in him yet. It's still early. It's still hard to tell what the hell is going on in FCS. We're going to throw it over to Montana Parlay to go through this week's games. And you can either go with him and try and make a little money, or you could just fade him on everything and make a lot more. So we're going to go to Montana Parlay. Welcome to week three of Parlay's Picks. I'm Montana Parlay. It was a tale of third quarters as we went 0-2 last week, but it's all about bankroll management. We didn't put too much on the line, and we still have 85 minties left. Cal Poly might have the worst defense in the big sky after letting Weber roll over the top of them in the second half. Weber ends up with a total of 500-plus yards in that game. Cat fans who bet North Bama were salivating at the half as it looked like some 45 to 1 money line Bama plays were possible. Grizz were down by a point. Then the third quarter comes along, Grizz blow them out and easily cover the big spread. This week, 
My red flag goes out to the line in the MSU at Western Illinois game. It opens at a very small minus two and a half, and word on the street is Hot Take Nate's credit score dropped 200 points as he maxed out all his credit cards, uploading onto multiple books trying to grab that number. Currently, the Cats sit at minus four, and I say be cautious. They should win, but something is up. I'm staying away from any line higher than minus three. The Grizz face a nationally ranked FBS school traveling to Oregon where they are 39 and a half point dogs. I'm never really a fan of big spreads. However, there is a Grizz play here. On to my bets. I'm going to mix things up with a little parlay. And since I'm not huge on any one's line this week, I'm gonna parlay Oregon State who is getting 11 points at home versus a beat-up Cal Poly team after just playing Weber with the over in the Oregon-Montana game. It's currently sitting at 65. I feel like the Grizz can get two, maybe even three touchdowns against Oregon, and there's no reason why Oregon shouldn't get at least 45 points. 10 minties to win back 25. That'll do it for this week's picks. Make sure to follow me this weekend on Twitter and Instagram at Montana Parlay as I head to Macomb, Illinois to watch the Cats take on Western Illinois. Good luck to all you gamblers out there. Uh, this is uh, producer Jerry here. At producer underscore Jerry on Twitter. Parlay, I don't know what he was doing tonight. Probably a few too beer, many beers. But... Uh, Oregon State's actually minus 17, and that's part of the parlay. Thank you. All right, thank you again to Montana Parlay for his gambling picks of the week. Like we said, he will be in Macomb, Western Illinois, Montana State on Saturday. If you see him, you have no idea what he looks like, but if you see him, he will buy you a beer after the game. He is staying in Macomb to after party. It's the official Montana Mint after party in Macomb, Illinois. Go find him. Montana Parlay. We'll make him. We'll tweet something out. We'll tweet an identifying factor, and you can seek him out at the game. He's just he's super handsome, and he's going to be wearing bobcat. He likes he he has continually tweeted in the last week that old ladies are calling him Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, I don't see it. Neither do I. But he is young, but. and he lives in the greater Chicago area, so. <laughs> so there you go. There I guess go. everybody's Mitch Trubisky over there. But we have talked about a lot of these Big Sky teams already, but we do want to do our segment of going around the Big Sky about what's coming up this weekend. Saturday, September 14th, so unfortunately we have no Thursday or Friday night games. I know. I, love, I was getting used to Those that. were so cool. Thursday night game, I was getting super used to. I love that. Is there... And this is something we didn't even script or even talk about wanting to go over. But is that something that you think an FCS conference could traditionally do every week to gain some exposure around the country and having their one of their FCS slated conference games on a Thursday night? Kind of like Maction was on Wednesday nights? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you're competing against the NFL Thursday night. Um, but... You know, baseball's starting to... You have that weird time in October where, like, there's only playoff baseball, so you don't have kind of the quantity people are used to. 
the NHL and the NBA haven't started up. So Thursday night college football would be great. Uh, or Friday, actually. Now that you mentioned the Thursday night NFL thing, I totally forgot about that. So you do get your football fix on Thursday nights now. Yeah, but you could do you could always have more. And I think that if you True. put it on, I don't know. I, I doubt like an ESPN or a Fox Sports would play something like that. But you could probably find some cable channel that most people have and have it just be like the USA uh, you know, Big Sky Conference game of the yeah. week. People would definitely watch that more than a round of Suits Marathon or reruns. Suits is a good show, though. Okay, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> All right, so Saturday, September 14th, we're going to start off with the afternoon slate of games. Eastern Washington over at Jacksonville State, a top 25, top 25 matchup there. Montana State at Western Illinois. We have Cal Poly playing up at Oregon State. Idaho State at number 11, Utah. Idaho at Wyoming. Another FBS one, Weber State at Nevada. Western New Mexico at NAU. Stephen F. Austin at Southern uh, Southern Utah. We have Northern Colorado at a little frisky Sacramento State who gave yeah. Arizona State a little scary last week. Yep. Lehigh over in Davis. Portland State at number 22, Boise State. And then Montana at number 15, Oregon. What jumps out to you on this week's schedule? So in terms of Big Sky conference uh i'm really interested to see what sacramento state does um they've looked mm-hmm. you know they had an naia game week one uh but looked frisky crushed crushed them so looked awesome then looked uh frisky this past week and you know this is now kind of their first real test and granted it's one of the worst for the colorado <laughs> it's one of the worst teams in the conference but they're both hey, supposed to be terrible so if sac state northern colorado was up seven to nothing on Washington State. That's true. Last week. That is true. Um, Sac State. Let's see what you're made of. I'm excited to. I don't know if I'm excited enough to watch this game all the way through. You're gonna I'm watch it on the ESPN app. Definitely excited to uh, keep track of this game um, and For see sure. how they do. Eastern Washington, Jacksonville State is the other one. Um, you know, to me, there's really, I guess, four games this week. Um, I'm excited. Eastern Washington, we all assume is as good as advertised, but their schedule hasn't really allowed us to see what they're made of. They uh, played Washington. They played Lindenwood. So this is now a real real competitor at Jacksonville State. Plus, they have to go all the way across, across the country. Um, I'm excited for that. The other two games, uh, you know, we've already talked about MSU at Western Illinois, uh, but also Weber State at Nevada. That is a game I think Weber State has a chance to win. Yeah, and, I can see that one. Yeah, and so I will be keeping a close eye on that, and we'll tune in uh, probably around halftime if it's close. Yeah, and so that Eastern Washington-Jacksonville State game, Jacksonville State piques my interest because they are the makers of the shittiest hype video of all time. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not even – maybe I'm using the wrong adjective to describe it. It wasn't shitty. It was disturbing. It was It was misguided. I <laughs> And they put the wrong person in charge. I don't know what what happened. We have no idea yeah, we, what happened there. We talked about but, it either on here or on uh, Big Sky Big Takes, the other show. Uh, on Big this Sky stream. Big Takes, good plug. Uh, yeah, that was that was tough. That was tough to watch. That was a tough one to watch. And I think Jacksonville State at the time was a top 10 team, if I'm not mistaken. Could be mistaken. Not going to look it up. But – uh, we look at the Sagarin just because it's fun and because it means nothing, but we need to talk about it because it just gives us a little bit of debate. Eastern Washington actually 121 right now in the Sagarin, 20 spots behind uh, MSU. 
nine spots behind the Grizz. So something to think about. Um, everybody who thinks Eastern Washington is going to run away with the conference. So Eastern Washington is 121. Jacksonville State's uh, actually uh, – oh, God, not Jacksonville. They're 253. That would not be a good game. <laughs> <laughs> Jacksonville – So did you know that there's a Jacksonville University and a Jacksonville State? I did not. I know nothing outside of the Big Sky Conference. Yeah, me neither. Well, I know some stuff, but I, I, mean, I know nothing about Florida, I guess. But Jacksonville State's 136, so it's actually 121 versus 136 in the Sagar, and we know it means absolutely nothing. But Eastern Washington on the road, you were right. This is their first test. Jacksonville State got beat week one, though, and it took a lot of wind out of their sails, in my opinion. So I think Eastern, I honestly think Eastern Washington wins this game, but it's gonna be that's going to be one. It's on ESPN+. Plus. Thank you. Bless up, ESPN+. Plus. I'm going to be watching that one. Yeah, I'll be watching. Yeah, I'll be watching all these. So Stephen F. Austin is Southern Utah. I was actually like weirdly not impressed, but had a little bit of faith in Southern Utah after they played UNR somewhat respectably. And then last week, Southern Utah just got killed by Northern Iowa 34-14. It probably wasn't even as close as that was. Uh, I think that'll be interesting to see at home Southern Utah if they really are the bottom dwellers that the Big Sky Podcast Networks put them at in our uh, power rankings. So it'll be interesting. I don't think Stephen F. Austin's anything to write home about. So it's not going to be a fun game to watch, but I really want to see what Southern Utah is if they really are that shitty. I will not be watching one second of that game. Um, Oh, no, that's an ESPN app. For sure. Like when you just go to the scoreboard and yeah. put Big Sky Conference games, the only reason I'm going to look at that score is to see how shitty Southern Utah is. Well, and all I want, I'm now at the point where I, I want conference play to start. Oh, my God. Just quit playing FBI. We're, we're only three weeks in and I'm already sick of it. Yeah. And I usually talk about how fun it is as a fan and all this stuff. I don't want it anymore. No. all like we got our, You and I got our taste of FCS. It's been great. I don't want to go back to anything else. Yeah. Just Yeah. Keep it here. I'm so sad that the, the Grizz have a throwaway game this weekend. I get it. I know you need to get yep. that paycheck. I felt the same but, way. Um, I felt the same way going into that Texas Tech game. Yeah. I just wanted to keep rolling. Yeah. No, I don't blame you. This could, Yeah, you're right. This could be a little momentum killer just having to go up there and, and uh, see some points up on the scoreboard for the opponents uh, on the opponent's side. But So I guess we're going to do – you know, it's it's not really a great slate of Big Sky games this week in terms of – competition, competitiveness, anything like that. If you have to pick and you can't go with the Montana game, which one is your primary watching game? It is, uh, it'll be North Northern Colorado at Sacramento State. Okay. I'm more likely to tune into that, I think, than, than Eastern Washington. Okay, and I think I'm going to go with the Eastern Washington game because I really did. They, they didn't struggle against Lindenwood, but they let a D2 school put up, what, 36 points on them last week? Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested to see them on the road against a top 25 team um, in Jacksonville State. And I looked up at the stats uh, poll right now. Jacksonville State is number 17. They jumped up one spot. So they were 18 last week, 17 this week. They beat Chattanooga 41 to 20. Okay. I don't know so, anything about your... Chattanooga. Um, I know that's where the championship game used to be. Yes. But I don't think Chattanooga was anything to write home about either. So. It's going to be interesting. It's going yeah. to be an interesting game. I really don't know what to think about Eastern Washington yet. And how could you? They haven't played an FCS opponent yet. But looking forward to that one. Yeah. Like you and I have both said, the basic thing we're getting from around the big sky this week is just please get us to conference play. At least just get us to the point where nobody's playing FBS squads. Yep. We need the FCS. Please. We need the FCS. Please. Please. 
who are we begging? Like the schedule's already set. Like, <laughs> but next week we are just looking ahead to September twenty first, just to you know get a taste of that. I believe there's only one game that'll feature an FCS versus FBS, and it's Sacramento State going down Highway ninety nine to take on Fresno State. Okay. So that's that's the twenty first. But we do get into some pretty good around the Big Sky FCS games next week. So we'll we'll have a lot more fun doing this segment next week. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of another pretty underwhelming segment that used to be our favorite, and now we're just scrambling for stuff to find. It's our time for our watch party. Yeah, it's the party is not. Yeah, I well mean, attended. it's not a party. It is that's for sure. Not well attended. No, um, so. We will skip right over Alex Singleton. No news. I need to get in touch with him. I think that might be it. Yeah, that's what he needs. I need right to now. just. Re- I need to. Re- <laughs> that's what he needs is to hear from you. Oh, there you are, dude. What's up, bro? <laughs> like, yeah, that's how you. That's how you do it. So, but one thing we will touch on. I texted you during um, that Eagles Redskins game while the Eagles were down, like maybe seventeen nothing. And I go, this serves them right. I'm happy about this. Me too. I was thrilled. Until they bring him up or he gets signed somewhere else, we curse the Eagles. We thought it worked. Well, it did. But then, and then Carson Wentz came out and was an MVP quarterback in the second half. Yeah, the we lifted the curse, though. So we gave them a taste of it just to give them like a little warning we could. shot. And at we could. Halftime, do at halftime, I forget if I texted you or not, but at halftime I said, the curse is lifted. And you didn't, but I believe you that you yeah, did that. And I did, and they came back, and the Eagles looked good. Um, but just so, know, know, Philly, that if you don't bring him up, or if you don't release him so he can sign and be on the roster, do the Antonio Brown, team, do the right thing, release him so he can play. Yeah, let him go to the Patriots. But until he's <laughs> on another roster, the curse is back on. Unless so, we feel bad we that I might game? take it off, but right now it's on. So. Looking ahead really quickly, the Eagles play at the Falcons. You do not want that curse hanging over your head and going to play that high-powered offense in the Mercedes-Benz Dome in Atlanta. Yeah, be prepared. You do not want that. Be prepared, Philadelphia. Let us know. It's on you. You did this to yourselves. This is not us. Yep. Hit us up on Twitter. We'll take care of it. Curse curse is on. The next two, you know, Josh Eustace, no games right now. I don't think the EuroLeague season has started yet, so we'll skip over our boy Josh. We thought we had a bead on some employment for Brock Osweiler. But we're still working it. Still working the phones. Hitting up our contacts. Nick Foles, broken clavicle. Yeah. Before he was off the field, I was already tweeting about the Jaguars picking up Brock Osweiler. Um, They have apparently traded a fifth-round pick for a backup quarterback in Pittsburgh. Why? I don't know. I don't know. Why trade a draft pick when you have a Super Bowl champion? There's a lot of good sitting there on the side and ready to roll. Number one of which is he's so Brock. tall, so tall. He's so tall. In. He already played in Florida last year. Uh, he's used to the heat. He's used to the heat, but the weird Florida people, other Florida potential, uh, James Winston, pretty bad game. So not only will we be tracking injuries of starting quarterbacks, we're also going to be tracking performance of uh, quarterbacks whose teams might be getting a little bit tired of them. So if they get benched, if they quit on the team, Bring that back up in, and then there's the perfect spot for our boy Brock Osweiler, Osweiler to swing in and get a backup job. Um, we'll be keeping an interesting eye out. that we'll be keeping an eye out all year. There's been a few. Weeks it's also interesting that the the Steelers would trade away a backup quarterback when Ben Roethlisberger looked so shitty last night. Yeah, and so Sunday fat. night, I should say Sunday night, and so fat, so fat. Wouldn't you rather your QB be taller than fatter? Yeah, if you're gonna lose, you might as well lose with a 
really six foot seven stud. Yeah. And not some weird looking potato man. Piece of shit. Yeah. I don't even like him personally. No, me either. Real dirt bag. Real dirt bag. Uh, but we do that have ben Roethlisberger. One, one watch we can get around. Ooh, finally. Thank God this podcast has been doomed. And it's our Bob Stitt, Gresh Jensen watch. Uh, Texas State lost to Wyoming at home. Bob Stitt's offense put up 14 points. So not great. He's a genius, man. But the one bright spot, Gresh Jensen started the game, ended it yardage-wise. Good game, 394 yards, 33 of 54 passing and a touchdown. He also, had, he also had two interceptions, though. Um, That's not good. Not good, but he, he's the starter, at least was this past weekend. Uh, so good, good work, Gresh. We are continuing to root for you, uh, even though I don't know how many games Texas State's going to win this year. Yeah, they probably go not on many. On the road to SMU and then have Georgia State at home. Maybe that Georgia State game. Georgia State beat Tennessee though. Yeah, and then Nichols State comes into whatever town Texas Ooh. State is located in. Is Texas State in uh, San Marcos? I have, I have no idea. Between Austin and San Antonio. I have no idea. Let's see. I think it is. Anyways. Anywho. Um, uh, they are in, yes, yeah, San Marcos, Texas. San Marcos, Texas. Yep. Yep. Good job, Nate. Thank you. Lived down there for a little bit in San Antonio. Would pass it on my way to Austin. Cool. Yeah. So I just totally blanked on what. Oh, that's what it was. So I did have a friend text me during that. Maybe it was right after the Montana State win over Southeast Missouri State. I was going to say this when we were recapping the Bobcats game. But he goes, we're a quarterback who can throw the ball away from being a national championship team. About the Bobcats? Yeah. And I thought, we offered Gresh Jensen, and he just threw for 300 and some yards against Wyoming. Yeah. What could have been? What could have been? He'd be playing playing in meaningful games – and probably in front of more fans than Texas State gets. Maybe not on the road. They might play some cool road games. Like I'm sure there's more people at the Wyoming game. Or they were actually at home, though, weren't they? They were at home. Against yeah. Wyoming. So what could have been, I thought he was actually going to come to the Cats just to spite Bobby Houck. It would have been absolutely amazing. There's no doubt in my mind he would have been the starter. And I hate to say that because I'm cheering be for Casey Bauman, obviously. But, man, what could have been, I don't know. You know, that was a that was a pretty lofty text that I got saying that we could be a national championship contender with a quarterback like that, but it's hard to refute that right now. Yeah, of course he would be the starter over Paul Mann. Yeah, well, yes, I get that. But just a little bit of just a little bit going off, just riffing off of the watch party. That's all I was trying all right, to do. Good that. job. Thank um, you. Well Yeah, no, do you have anything no else? information. No. Oh, twenty thousand people at the game. Twenty thousand and three people at In the game. In San Marcos? Yeah. Well, that's exactly the same as there was like 19,000 and change at the Cats game. So it's about the same. Yeah. And they're not going to get that against Nichols. No, I hope not. Oh, man. Anyways, let's end this. I'm watching the Broncos Monday <laughs> night game. They are so bad and it's just distracting me. And it makes oh, me so sad. sad bear tycoon. Uh, maybe we'll get it's all right. Well, round three in Denver. Round three. Let's do it. Make it happen. Tweet that out. But. Yeah, we are. Uh, it's only Monday. We did it a little bit early. Do some scheduling conflicts this week. It's all going to be a long week to get till Saturday. I can't wait. I know Barry Tycoon doesn't have as much anticipation this week going up against an FBS school, but we all we just can't wait for the football to be back. It just this this lull Monday through Friday gets to us. 
We love it on Saturday. So we, we felt a little more energized today because we're still coming off that weekend high of watching our teams with some pretty good wins. Yep. So we hope you felt it. We had fun. We're going to be back next week. You have anything else, Bear Tycoon? Three things. Leave? Three quick things. Three things. If you love okay. the Montana Mint, the content we're putting out, obviously tell your friends about the podcast. Subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast. We have us, we have Big Sky Big Takes, and we have the Grizz Fan Podcast on the Montana Mint Sports stream. If you like that, and leave us a rating, that, that helps. Um, if you like that content, a good rating, be sure to check out our newsletter. You can subscribe to it on our website. Uh, there's links to, to find it everywhere. It's the best Big Sky content of the week delivered to your email every Friday. Nothing quite like it out there, what we're putting out. I'm super proud of it. Brian Marceau of Tubbs at the Club is actually the editor of the newsletter, and he's doing a fantastic job. Uh, and then lastly, uh, you really want to help us out. Go check out our store. A lot of great Montana gear, uh, montana-mint.com, Montana-made, Montana-designed, Montana-focused gear, and we're doing only limited runs of gear on everything that we make. So a small number being produced. You're not going to be walking in a bar with five other dudes and they're wearing the same hat. Check it out. It helps us out. It helps us put out all this content. And we just thank you guys for listening. And I think that's all I have for this week. All right. We're going to have Laney Lou and the Bird Dogs play us out as they always do. Can't wait for Saturday. Thank you all for listening. We love you all. Bye-bye. Bye. I was in a